pleasure of interviewing Carla Pereira. Carla is the Director of Communications for Peel District School Board just outside of Toronto. It's a large district and uh, she works with a team, a great team, of people who have been working diligently to um, inform parents and teachers and, and the public, uh, not only obviously around the pandemic, but just uh, uh, school and education in general. She does a tremendous job. She's got a great sense of humor and you'll see that not only in her uh, personal tweets, but also um, with the way she um, communicates as part of her role at Peel. And she just does a tremendous job of, of helping people understand the situation. And uh, it was my pleasure to talk to her about uh, her role uh, and uh, what's happening in Ontario as well around uh, COVID-19. Well, welcome to another uh, podcast of what's happening, education and COVID-19. I think I'm on my, this is my about my eighth of these. We've interviewed people from Australia and Singapore and the U.S. and British Columbia. And we've interviewed uh, principals and teachers and superintendents. And I'm so excited today to have with me today, Carla. And I always, I'm not sure, let me get your name right, Pereira. Very good. Pereira. Carla is the world's best school uh, communication person that I know of. She is uh, amazing in what she does. She's, uh, I, well, how about I introduce her and then I'll brag about her a little bit as, as we go along. So Carla, introduce yourself. So uh, I'm Carla Pereira and I'm the Director of Communications for the Peel District School Board, which is the second largest uh, school board in Canada. So we're a busy, busy, busy board. Um, but it's my privilege to serve the communities that we serve. And so um, I, it's the best job in the world. And uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know how much more you need, but there's a bit of it. Well, we'll dive into it for sure. And I mean, I'm really excited to have you because number one, uh, you're just uh, you're a delight. So if, if just as a complete aside, if you want to follow Carla on Twitter and Instagram for just some giggles and fun and all that stuff, that's a good move on your part. Uh, but um, I haven't had anybody in your position on during this time, and I think this is a critical, obviously, uh, role that districts are and schools are trying to solve all it is how do we communicate what's going on and how do we sort of manage all this? So I'm really excited to sort of know. Um, from your perspective, uh, some of the challenges, but also I, I want, because I know you do, you do share a lot of really great positive things that happens to, I want to hear some good stories too, and just sort of what this is all like. So um, kind of my first question, I think, and, and I know that, you know, while you're not uh, a classroom teacher, this impacts you as well. What is, if I'm a, if I'm a teacher in Ontario, what am I being asked to do uh, with regards to uh, remote teaching and learning? Yeah, so um, what we're, we're asking, well, I can speak for my board alone, and then you can extrapolate from there. So, so we're asking for teachers to do impossible things, um, quite frankly, to within a week uh, go from, or two weeks, to go from teaching in a classroom face-to-face uh, -face with all of those lovely relationships that they have with students and to make that work um, from a distance. And so, as one might imagine, it's a monumental task. We're asking them to be flexible, to uh, not penalize students, understanding that they're also in the middle of a, of a crisis situation. And um, we're asking them to deliver online learning and whatever that might look like. So uh, we have some teachers who've been uh, using uh, Google Classroom and Brightspace and things like that for a very long time. So they have more um, familiarity with those online platforms and others who do not have any um, 
kind of a working knowledge and awareness of, of those platforms and how they could be used to support students. So um, it's quite challenging. Um, it is a huge burden that we're also placing on teachers that also are caring for elderly family members or are you know, com compromised themselves or have little children at home. So trying to teach a class um, while you are also trying to keep a four-year-old and a six-year-old busy uh, is is quite something. So we're asking them to, uh, as the Toronto Star um, had in their headline the other day, to move mountains. And quite literally, that's what they're doing. And they've not been given a lot of time to do it. So I know that I'm eternally grateful for everything that they're doing to reach out to students. But um, one of the key things to uh, Dean is that they're, we're asking them to be mindful that uh, students will not always be well equipped to do distance learning. So some might not have access to devices, some might not be in a place where they get reliable Wi-Fi, if they get Wi-Fi at all, um, or internet um, at all. So, uh, and some students just don't learn online. Uh, they're just not able to do that. So, uh, you know, we're asking teachers to reach out to a class of 30 kids, uh, all with different di varying degrees of ability and access to tech and asking them to do the same thing they would have done three weeks ago in class. It's, it's, it's a lot. And I think that part to me is the part that I've, I keep thinking about because, you know, when those 30 kids come to your classroom, you, you know that five of them are dealing with, you know, some extraordinary issues, whether it's poverty or, or other trauma that they're dealing with. And you have some limited ability in a school environment to deal with that. Now you have zero in some cases. And so for teachers to essentially let go of the fact that, like, I've done everything I can, but I'm not hearing from this particular family or or... I've been told to not bother us or whatever it may be, right? Like, I just feel like that's, that's probably one of the most challenging things that teachers face is just knowing that their, their locus of control is so much more limited than it was three weeks ago. Now, one of the things that I know uh, in your role in communication would be helping your own, you know, you have communication to the broader public, but you also have internal communication. So I, I'm wondering what kind of messaging or, or supports have you seen that you're most grateful for saying, given this really difficult situation, I'm so glad that we're saying this or these supports are there, even whether it's to you or to, that you bring to others. Um, just because of my personal experience with mental health, I am personally grateful that uh, boards across Ontario and across Canada have, have placed such a strong focus on supporting the mental health needs, not only of our students, but also of our staff. And so we all know that um, teachers cannot uh, deliver lessons that are, you know, that are going to help children be successful if they are not themselves well. And so uh, understanding that um, we need to check in on the well-being of our staff um, first, then expect them to do great things. I think that's one of the, the blessings of working in a school district like mine, where there are so many uh, robust mental health supports in place to support um, staff and students and families. So I think, I think that's probably the most grateful piece and also the, um, the, the grace that we've extended to teachers to allow them to um, you know, have that flexibility, uh, you know, set some boundaries for themselves in terms of what they are going to be able to achieve and understanding that the ramp and the takeoff is going to be very bumpy and turbulent and, and giving them the opportunity to say that's okay to breathe. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, you, you, again, you can't over communicate that you can't tell people enough times those things. And so this is not something, a one-time message that they're going to hear. It's going to have to be heard in different ways and 
for a long period of time. Thinking about this though, and again, you know, I know that in some cases this is, this is sort of a day-to-day -day just survival kind of um, existence. But when you do just step back and you think, okay, so let's assume that this does, and it's, you know, people are suggesting it's probably going to happen to the end of the school year for sure. What challenges or what concerns you most about uh, if this goes that much longer, I'm concerned about these things in particular, maybe you've touched them already, but I just throw that question out there. Yeah, I think the, um, the staying in touch with those families that are the most difficult to keep in touch with. Um, and so, you know, that will, will require our own staff, our own teachers and, and TAs and, and uh, others as well, administrators to continue to build those bridges um, and to, to, keep them up, to keep them maintained. And so that I think is going to be a challenge, the, the distance, um, the, the remote check-in or the, the remote check-ins. Also increasingly as people become more and more um, depressed over time, because this is going to take longer, uh, dealing with all of those anxieties and, and all of those worries that families will have, financial burdens that they're going to be working through, you know, homework becomes one more thing that a family now needs to get through in a day when they're really just focused on maybe putting some food on the table uh, or going out safely because they can't, you know, they're immunocompromised themselves and, and, you know, all of those pieces. So I think that's going to be a struggle for us. I think uh, keeping students engaged uh, in the online environment is going to be something uh, that will take some work. Right now it's a novelty for some and so they're kind of wrapping their heads around it. They might be super excited. It might lose its uh, appeal over the next little while. But uh, so I think those three pieces probably are the most are the things that I think uh, I'd be more most concerned about moving forward. Yeah, that that mental health thing and that long term anxiety, because, you know, people right now, there's like you said, there's a bit of a honeymoon period, whether it's in the learning. Oh, this is novel or oh, I get to stay home and watch Netflix. Well, that gets that gets old quickly. And for some, some of it's already, it's never happened because they're dealing with other issues for others. It's going to, that's going to hit. And that's my concern is like, how do we maintain sort of sanity and, and well-being in a very just stressful situation? So that's, I mean, certainly right. I think number one, being cognizant of it is, is the first thing we can do and then continuing to, to figure out novel ways to support it. One of the things, again, I've always appreciated from you uh, in your role is the way in which you've um, showcased sort of the goodness and, and the beauty and the joy that comes from, you know, whether it's Peel School District or beyond. What name, just tell me something that's happened in the last couple of weeks that, you, that just brings a smile to your face in terms of what's happening in your role and, and those people that you serve in, in your district. Yeah, I think a few a few things. I'm going to start maybe um, at a school level and then kind of work my, my way into my own little bubble here. So uh, at a school level, we've seen, you know, administrators and staff kind of jump on board really quickly to help deliver food to families um, in their community that they know uh, would be struggling right out of the gate. So families who, um, you know, already uh, have, have challenges, uh, you know, poverty, uh, you know, that they face poverty every day. And so having lim more even more limited access to, to those resources um, so people you know, you know stuffing their cars full of food and and saying you know like I'm willing to do this that's one thing uh, increases in donations from the Peel Learning to the Peel Learning Foundation um, you know an organization that's donated a thousand Chromebooks so that students can can and then and then said you know what keep them uh, afterwards this is that's fine so those types of um, that outpouring the the, um, you know, that uh, was the Mr. Rogers uh, phrase around look for the helpers. 
you know, there's, there's so much gloom and doom sometimes, um, you know, on Twitter, especially and, and breaking news and, and CNN and, and CP24 and all those other good places, but there are so many helpers. So I think at the school level, there's so much good that's happening. Makes me very, very happy. Uh, secondly, um, we are almost working around the clock and there are people who have not slept in weeks uh, working to make sure that this plane gets off the ground. And so, uh, you know, I'm very proud to work with the team of people that I can call text at any point in the day um, or night and say, hey, I need this urgently. Can you help? And immediately we've got five or six people jumping in to support. So um, that has been wonderful. And then uh, just the gratitude that people have for, for the work that we do. Um, it's nice to work in a system where people say thank you. Uh, yeah. It might seem, uh, you know, a small thing, but I think it goes a long way to, to being, you know, I don't need pets on the back or recognition, but to know, for people to, to know that maybe that's the one thing you needed to get you through the day today. And just the quick email that says, hey, thanks. Um, that's been really nice and kind. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all those things are just, uh, they're, they're fuel that kind of gets us through these tough times. So uh, more of a lighthearted question. So working from home, um, and having having two school age kids was it just think about a moment that you've had in the last little while where all of a sudden you're doing something at a different time of day and you and you just look around and you think okay, this is unusual I never would like just something odd in terms of like you know time or activity or whatever that that just catches you off guard think this is really weird yeah well I had a, I had one of those today so um my son has a soccer practice virtual soccer practice right in the backyard and that's just like over here the screen like right out the screen door and uh, i'm in the middle of a conference call and he whips open the the screen door and says there's a raccoon out here and i just thought that's i you know last <laughs> right now is a friggin raccoon <laughs> to deal with and then uh, you know my husband's a teacher so he was you know teaching his class he had to come over here and deal with the raccoon and i don't know it's just the last thing you need are critters right now <laughs> have enough problems that's just one yeah. it's it just everything <laughs> you know you look up from you know where you are and uh you're like oh my gosh it's time to make dinner and it's like 6 30 and i've been working at this you know breakfast bar since you know 7 38 right. morning so um time flies i don't remember to drink water um my blood pressure is really low uh on a good day so it's just uh you forget to take care of yourself during a crisis. And you know, that um, thing about putting the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can care for others, that rings true for me uh, kind of every second of the day. So anyway, so that, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> All right, so my last question is like what, and again, you know, people are, are looking for silver linings or looking for the good out of this. When we look back at this in whatever, three months, six months, whatever it is, a year from now, what do you hope, the, what good do you hope comes out of this in terms of like that? Yes, it was horrible in so many ways. However, it was great to see this has changed or this has had for the better. Yeah, I think right now we're asking, um, you know, educators and administrators and everyone really to really be mindful about reaching out to families who are not well positioned uh, to do distance learning, right? So, you know, we're providing them with a whole bunch of resources for how they can help um, at home. But we're also helping, uh, asking educators to be mindful of, of maybe students who don't have that extra layer of support in place. And so I think what I'd like to see happen is that all of the extra attention we're paying to these students who are marginalized and who uh, you know, are, are experiencing uh, less support or are underserved 
in a regular school setting that we continue to be just as mindful when they come back into our classrooms when we're uh, ready to resume business as usual. So that's what I'd like to see. Uh, I think that's just going to be just going to happen as a, you know, sure. once you build, you know, 21 days to build a habit or something. So once you get into that routine, I'm hopeful that people will continue to make that extra, not that they don't already, but maybe they're making an extra push right now because, you know, there's a bit more compassion for people, a bit more empathy for situations. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think the equity piece for me has been really uh, brought to, I mean, it's, it's a, some always been a concern, but now it's like more amplified. Like you can't help but see it. When you got 30 kids in a room, yeah, you know, there's, it's not all equal, but it, see, it feels more equal, right? Because everybody's got the same stuff and that. And now we just, have, it's so clear, like, wow, there are kids that really are really uh, lacking a lot of things. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one, thinking about how do we then maintain that momentum, but mindfulness, and then actually do something about it. Like, because right now there's not, that's the challenge right now. Like, there's not much you can do. I have to stay home. So like, yeah, I can, I can certainly foster relationships, but there's so much we will yeah. hopefully we'll be able to do once we, once we return to some level of, of normalcy. So. Yeah. Well, and one of the worries I, I know I'm not, you haven't asked me another question, but I'm going to throw this in. One of my worries is, you know, we're, we're deploying right now, you know, we're lending out 14,000 devices to students who don't have devices right now. Right. And then come September or whenever we're back, we're going to be like, you know, give them back, back <laughs> you know, yeah. And we're to do that. How do we do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? That we break yeah, yeah, yeah. And if yeah, we do it now, can we really think about maybe how we can just sustain this forever and never? Right, so right. Th those are the things that kind of come into my brain. And then, you know, what are the supports that we're, we're providing to our special education um, students with special mm. education? Those families, um, they're on my mind all the time, right? Uh, yeah. they, you know, and without a break. Uh, so anyway, the, we have a tremendous special education department and I'm so fortunate to work in field because they do great work and I have every confidence that they're going to be able to do this. So, um, yeah, so those are the students really that, you know, tug at your heartstrings. I, I say all the time that this is not hard work, it's heart work. Um, and, and you really see it uh, when things like that, when, you know, when you're in the middle of a crisis. So. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for taking time. And again, I just want to thank you and all of the communications people everywhere for the work that you're doing, because you, you maybe don't get enough thanks uh, for what you do in the normal time. And now how much more important <laughs> we need you to, to help people get through this crazy time. So thanks for thank you on behalf of all those people. And actually, you're representing Ontario as well. So thank you for big, big role today. So thanks for this. Appreciate it. Thank you.